Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding. My name is Jared Weiss. I am joined, as always, on Mondays by Mo DeKeel. Mo, what a great weekend we just had. Amazing basketball. There, Okay, we don't even have time to get to the Nuggets beating the Clippers. We don't even have time to get to one of the overtime games in this weekend because there were just too many great games. And we're going to start with the Milwaukee Bucks beating the Brooklyn Nets in a really, really crucial battle at the top of the Eastern Conference. 117 to 114. Giannis with a cool, nice little 49 points, Mo. I mean, this was a phenomenal game, you know, and and it actually held up to when they played earlier this season, when the Nets had all of their guys, that game went down to the wire. This was kind of the same thing. Giannis was phenomenal, 49 points. Eight rebounds. You know, it, my biggest concern, Jared, was like Giannis. It was all Giannis. There was nobody else. You know, Middleton put up some nice numbers with 26 points. Drew Holiday with 18. Bryn Forbes with 12. But then the rest of the Bucks were just kind of chilling. Yeah, and it was really – I mean, I know Middleton, he had 26 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, 0 turnovers. Very impressive game statistically. I didn't feel like his impact was really felt significantly, except for some really nice mid-range shots. He had that, like, I think it was a great floater, nice step back in the crunch time. So he did come through when they needed him most. And Drew Holiday, I thought defensively, was phenomenal in this game. Drew Holiday was phenomenal. I thought he did a great job against Kyrie, kind of flustered him a bit. Kyrie went 8 for 21 from the field, you know, scoring 20 points. Just not a great night from Irving in that respect. And a lot of that had to do with just holiday and, and not just defensively, but even on offense, taking him down into the post and, and, and working him a little bit and making it tougher on him and, and taking some of that energy away from him. I thought it was just, it was a good night. My, I was still concerned and, and still am though. The bucks need a little more going from the rest of their guys to, to to really feel more comfortable about their offense. Yeah, I mean, Dante DiVincenzo, he had zero points. Brooke Lopez, he had four points. Brent Forbes, another good shooting night with 12 points. But that, I mean, that was it. Nobody else was really scoring. And you're right. It, you can't expect Giannis to score nearly 50 points a game. On the other side, KD had 42 points and 10 boards. Kyrie only shot eight for 21. Uh, and and Landry Shamit did actually finally have a good game. Uh, and besides the huge Blake Griffin uh, tip slam, which was really shocking, and I heard a lot of people in Detroit were pretty pissed about that one. There was nobody that was really dominating in this game up at that level that the Nets would need to obviously be able to pull off beating Giannis. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it was the Nets game plan of like, let's see if Giannis can beat us on his own. And, and to his credit, he did, but he also almost did not. Right. I I think when you look at it that way, they very rarely brought a double team until late in the game. And I think that was part of their game plan. And I, I kind of liked that from the Nets. I thought that was pretty smart to see how that would work. And, you know, apart from a couple of bad breaks here and there and, and a couple of things going a different way, 
you know, it, for the most part, it did work. And I think this is going to be a a really fun playoff series should we get it with these guys. And we got to talk about one other thing. Jared, did you see the block Giannis had on Kevin Durant? Has anybody <laughs> ever blocked a Kevin Durant mid-range pull-up like that before? Those arms go extendo, and it, it's unbelievable. Well, it and- was extendo versus extendo. It was. I mean, this is part of the thing we always talk about, KD, is when he gets to his mid-range, nobody's touching that. Well, Giannis touched that today. I'm sure Inspector Gadget was very proud to see his protégés doing that. <laughs> and uh, credit to Giannis. 36 field goal attempts, one turnover. That That's really impressive. Also really impressive, the Philadelphia 76ers, because they beat the San Antonio Spurs 113-111 to 111 in overtime. Spurs played two overtime games this weekend. We'll get to the other one later in the show. But Joel Embiid, he had 34 points, 12 rebounds in this game. Missed a fadeaway at the end of regulation that could have won them the game. Missed a fadeaway at the end of overtime that could have won them the game. But Ben Simmons flies in and tips the ball home just before the buzzer, and they went off of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i not 100% sure, but is this Ben Simmons' first game winner in the NBA? I don't remember another one. Yeah, I, I, I can't think of another one, especially because he wouldn't be the guy you go to. It would be something similar to this in that instance of a, of a tip-in. But that was a big one because that allowed Philly to overtake the Nets in the standings right now. And Philly has an easy schedule going forward as well as the tiebreaker over the Nets. So, you know, for them, this was a big one with the Nets losing for them to capitalize and not blow the opportunity to jump into that top seed in the East. From this game was just kind of another one of those San Antonio games where the Spurs just have everybody getting it going pretty much. And at every moment, someone else is going to step up and score. How do you feel like Philly handled that? I mean, the thing was, Philly kind of sort of put their foot off the gas just a little bit at the end. It was never like a crazy blowout, but they looked comfortable throughout the game. And then in the fourth quarter, kind of let up. And, you know, you said it, man, San Antonio is going to hit you in many different ways. Sometimes it's going to be Keldon Johnson. Sometimes it's Lonnie Walker coming off the bench with 23 points. You know, they they had different ones. And, you know, the the, the problem for the Sixers, you got to look at it, is, look, this team didn't have DeMar DeRozan on the court. Their their best big man defender, Jakob Pertl, wasn't even there. And, you know, it took you overtime to beat them. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So before even getting to the Sunday night game, we have to go back to Friday night where the Spurs were up 32 points on the Boston Celtics. And Jason Tatum decided he wasn't a fan of that. And he ended up scoring 60 points tying the franchise record for points in a game with Larry Bird. The Celtics pulled off the comeback, won in overtime, 143 to 140. It was the third biggest comeback in NBA history. Tatum became the first player in NBA history to have 60 points, five assists, and zero turnovers. Mo, I think Tatum's got his groove back. Yeah, no, I mean, he looked... (laughs) 
<laughs> a guy getting 60 points, I'm not going to come out there going like, no, he sucks. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not bad. No, he looked, looked good. That was a big win for the Boston Celtics, just in the sense of overcoming that deficit and kind of trying to build on some confidence there. I think it was something that's, that was needed. I mean, Jared, you know more than me. This is this is your squad. Tell me, how do you feel about that win? Or how did I mean, you feel about that win? That, that win, when it's over, you're like, Jesus Christ, they barely got through that. I mean, the, this team is just, they've been so up and down this year. They had that incredible winning streak. They've been in the pits lately. They've had a few of these miracles. Credit to Tatum, usually he's the one pulling them out of it. That was the mirror. It was literally one of the biggest miracles ever in NBA history, just to stay in the winning column. But then you cut to Sunday night. And they're just getting outplayed consistently by the Blazers. The Blazers beat them 129 to 119. And the ending to this game was insane because you had a moment where Tristan Thompson was called for a goaltend, an offensive goaltend on a putback, which was clearly not a goaltend. Brad Stevens wasn't allowed to challenge it. And the whole Celtics kind of lost their minds. And the Blazers started to kind of run away with it from there. And to compound it, you had a really bizarre play where Marcus Smart is trying to chase C.J. McCollum over a screen, and Yusuf Nurkic kind of slides in and set a moving screen. Gets called for an offensive foul, but while Smart is trying to go over that screen, he swipes at the ball, and his follow-through ends up hitting Yusuf Nurkic in the balls, and Smart is called for one technical and is ejected on the play. So that was already insane enough. And then, in the I think it was the final minute of the game, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on defense collide with each other, and Jalen Brown's bad right ankle that he's been missing games for slams into Jason Tatum's ankle. And Tatum had to limp away while Brown had to be carried into the locker room. Like Everything has just kind of gone crazy for the Celtics, Mo. Yeah, very bizarre. And listen, I'm just a big proponent of if you hit a guy in the nuts, you probably should be kicked out of the game. <laughs> Interesting. So even if it's incidental, which I, I think I, it looked like in that case, you still think so? It's tough. That one was a tough one to view it in that scenario where I was like, you could kind of see either side of it. Yeah, it's in, intentional, it, unintentional. Like that one's a tough one. And that's why the, the review took about a thousand hours. But, but there was one more thing you got to you, you didn't mention about this game in particular that was so incredibly weird, Jared. I, I can't even remember at this point. It was too much. Both teams shot about 500% from the field in the first half. Like, I, it, it was ridiculous. I think the first half was 71 to 70 or something like that. But both teams scored in the 70s in the first half. Were red hot to start the game. I mean, defense was just not even, don't even bother trying. Yeah, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was the first game ever for the Celtics where both teams scored in the 70s in the first half. Um, and actually, a fun fact, the Celtics bench went eight for eight in the first half, which was the NBA record for most shots by a bench without a miss in the first half of a game. So this game was historically crazy for offense in the first half, kind of s- fell apart and slowed down in the end. But Column got it done. The Celtics are in a disarray. And that's even before the postgame when Evan Fournier was speaking and revealed how bad his long COVID symptoms have been, saying that he feels like he's having post-concussion syndrome, essentially, and his depth perception isn't even working, which was kind of crazy because he had a really good shooting night. He shot eight for 10 from the field. So he's been very up and down so far this year, especially since returning from COVID. And uh, it's pretty clear why. So that, that was a really shocking twist at the end. 
we, we got to end this with the biggest story probably from the weekend, which is LeBron James is back. It's very rare that we ever get to say that in, over the course of his career. He's been an Iron Man, but he is back, came back on Friday night, played on Sunday, and left early. And that was the concerning thing. So the Raptors, they won 121 to 114. We'll get into that implications of that in a second. But LeBron left early in the fourth quarter with right ankle soreness, the right ankle being the one that he sprained that he was out for. So what do you think this means for, I guess, the stretch run here for the Lakers? Well, I think I actually always thought it was going to be tough to think that LeBron was going to play back-to-backs. You know, the Lakers play today on Monday. I I, I don't think he was going to play that coming back from the injury. So, you know, a little bit worrisome. You're, you're definitely – our ears all perked up when we heard LeBron was going back to the locker room. I don't know how – nervous I am yet nothing's come out yet in terms of how how serious we should take this but I it's not great Jared but I think they'll they'll be fine in the long run well Frank Vogel said after the game that LeBron is battling some soreness and we decided not to bring him back we'll see how he's feeling tomorrow as in Monday when the Lakers have a crucial game against the Denver Nuggets Right now, the Lakers have actually fallen down to the seventh place because they're in a three-way tie with Dallas, who's up at fifth right now, Portland, who's in sixth, Denver, by beating the Clippers, they sit at third, half a game ahead of the Clippers, while the Suns, they took first place after they beat the Jazz. So this Laker game, it's really important because they obviously want to get out of the play-in. Yeah, no, it's it's huge. I mean, this is... First off, I'm very confused by everything you just said when you went through the standings there. I don't even know what I said anymore. (laughs) I look at the standings every day. This is how nuts the end of the season is going to be, folks. You got to be tuning into these games because it is going to be nuts. A three-way tie, fifth, sixth, and seventh, and whoever loses out in those three of those three, you know they're going to be in the playing tournament. So, and nobody wants to be in that. You want those extra days, and if you're the Lakers. You need those extra days, not just for LeBron's ankle, but for AD and to get more practice time. All of that's going to be critical for this team as they're trying to get ready to roll and make that that run to try to repeat as champions. And I guess quick analysis off of these games. What do you think of the fit now with Andre Drummond next to LeBron? You know, they started out this game with a beautiful play setup that was similar to something out you would see out of the triangle with LeBron in the post. And then they had KCP who came off of a post split action with Davis go set a screen for Drummond to bring him right to the front of the basket. And, you know, it worked perfectly. Like, I just think it's LeBron can make almost anything fit. It's just, he needs the time to figure out who does what and how to make that work. And I think that's going to be critical for them going forward. Well, we'll figure some. We'll figure out how this whole thing works. I'm sure by the, the time we're back here next week, I'll be back here on Friday. You'll hear Mo throughout the week. Uh, thank you, as always, for joining us. Thank you to Super Producer Jade Hoy for making us sound nice and good. Uh, be sure to listen to the other great shows on the Athletic Podcast Network. We have No Dunks. We have House of Strauss. We have, of course, the Athletic NBA Show, where you can hear Mo on Nerder She Wrote. Plus, we have all of our team-specific shows that are covering all the big markets across the league so make sure that you sign up at theathletic.com slash ding mo good evening sir